This is Dan Fagella, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. Amidst the coronavirus, many businesses are reeling. Retail, financial services, healthcare, you name it. All of them are connected by supply chain and logistics, which has been disrupted massively uh, by limitations on travel, by the events beginning in China. And so when I was introduced to our guest this week, I knew that it would make sense to have him on for a show sooner rather than later. Some of you will remember Vlad Sejnoa. Vlad is now with Glasswing Ventures. The first time we interviewed him, he was the CTO of Nuance Communications, a multi-billion dollar natural language processing company. Vlad is somebody I respect. Uh, Vlad is an excellent guest. And when he recommended Verison and their founder, Paul Noble, for the program, I decided to say yes. This week, we speak with Paul Noble about the impact of artificial intelligence on supply chain and logistics, and also about the new technology priorities and the new AI capabilities that'll be all the more relevant in a post-COVID world, a space where everybody's trying to recoup and reassemble and hopefully get an advantage out of this big transition and come out stronger than they were, as hard as that might sound right now. This episode is going live during the release of our AI for Business Continuity Action Plan. For those of you thinking about resilience, thinking about overcoming the coronavirus, we've taken our best polls, surveys, and interview guests and pulled their insights together, along with some of the best insights from our AI opportunity landscape research across sectors, and put it together in a concise 12-page report that now comes along free when you sign up for an Emerge Plus membership. You can learn more at emerj.com slash ap1, that's A as in action, P as in plan, and then the number one, that's emerge.com slash ap1, and you can see how to download our AI for Business Continuity Action Plan free when you subscribe for a first month of Emerge Plus. This report will likely sell for three to $400 after the fact, uh, but we're giving it away currently during this special release launch. If this topic of supply chain and logistics is of relevance for you, if you're aiming to figure out how to leverage artificial intelligence to recoup some of the current losses of the coronavirus and come out stronger on the other end, I highly recommend downloading the guide. That's emerge.com slash AP1. Without further ado, we're going to fly into this episode. This is Paul Noble with Verison here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Paul, there's hardly anything more relevant in the broad business world right now than supply chain and logistics. This is your universe. I know we want to get into the big crisis and this COVID bonanza that everybody's going through. But let's just talk about kind of, I think a lot of the listeners, it'll be important to get an understanding of where is AI beginning to inch its way into logistics and supply chain today? It's obviously early days. It's a stodgy part of business. But where do you see that value beginning to layer in where we stand here in 2020? Yeah, great question. And it's a it's an important topic amidst what's going on here today. And um, what we see, and as we talk to our customers, you know, we've picked, you know, specific value propositions, I think, and also specific areas to start. So I think that's important. The I think why it's relevant is there are just there are massive amounts of data that exist within supply chain, right? And that along with some of these processes that are relatively straightforward and you know that you can apply some specific learnings to and set the building blocks in place to continue to expand, I think uh, presents itself very, very well. I mean, there's like some consistent signals that you 
can look at that are helpful building blocks as you move through different nodes of the supply chain. So supply chain super broad, but it's like, you know, where we play is materials and then there's finished goods. And yeah, there's so many facets, goods, right? Yeah. So we say supply chain intelligence, supply chain AI, and uh, people start thinking, oh, can you help us with shipping? And can you help us with this? And we're like, no, we don't play there. That's the noisy part. And then when we position our why AI in this startup is there's system disparity, disparate data, and then a lot of manual processes that can be trained, right? They know what they want to do. They just lack some of the elements of technology to help with speed, scale, and accuracy. So those are like the three major pieces we hit on on why AI for this is speed, scale, and accuracy. And so it seems to me, Paul, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. You know, when, when we look at this from the outside, we do a AI opportunity landscape work. We look at like all the startups in a given space. Logistics and supply chain is, is one of them. It seems to me like the hurdle for all these companies is, geez, we need this stuff somewhat harmonized. We need access to it. So logistics yeah. got, is just rife with data, but some mm-hmm. of it is on a yellow pad with the guy with the forklift in the front and we got to ask him about it. And so just the raw access, it seems to me like almost even without AI, if we just had visibility like you do with Google Analytics, we would be on another stratosphere of ability to predict and understand. How do you overcome that initial hurdle of access? You talked about the importance of picking a corner. Obviously, that's what you folks are doing. Is it important to find a specific area where you can get reliable data? Do you need access across different facets of supply chain to have meaningful insights? What's your take there? Yeah, it's a huge challenge because, again, you can't just apply this end-to-end solution, right? Oh, we're going to add, you know, we're going to run this data through Watson or something like that, which a lot of people try. Some magical, yeah. Yeah, right. It's like, it's not relevant. So like... As we look at, you know, and the approach that we've taken is how can we get access to the data first, which is always tough in a B2B environment, especially dealing with enterprises, you know, getting that data at the scale we have. So we've we've translated it to like very fast, as we talked about a little bit in prep, like tangible value, dollar value. So it's not just a data play because it's tough to put tangible value to things that you're improving from a data perspective. And being able to really structure, a lot of this data is unstructured. So as, as we've talked about this initial point, it's it's structuring some of this data and associating it, even though it's disparate, even though it's very dirty in most cases, putting it in a place where you can actually get some of this knowledge transfer flowing, right? And getting the things off the sheet of paper, getting it out of Excel and getting it into a system so that you can actually learn from it and apply and and remove all the digging through the data and actually take action on it is, I think, an important baseline, regardless of which node of the supply chain you're in. And that's what, you know, trying to remove those barriers helps get you the data and helps drive results fast. Yeah. And picking where you want to go within the business has to be challenging because there's different levels of maybe uh, security and privacy around these things. So maybe they're, they're more willing yeah. to provide access for this or that. We get pulled in a lot of directions too. Like, oh, can, you're an AI company. Can you do this for yep, me? And, yep. you're like, and you well, have to be able to hold your line. Yeah, you have to be able to hold your line. It, it does yeah. feel like, you know, we even read, you know, case studies and sort of outside takes on Flexport, you know, the big unicorn company yeah. in, in the logistics space. And it really seems yeah. like, Man, a lot of the value here just feels like a lot of white glove upfront work to like make our data accessible, almost like we should have been doing ourselves. 
Like it seems like that's yeah. almost what flex sports value is off the cuff, right? I'm sure it's not. Yeah. I'm not just. Dis- I'm not yeah. ma- making a disparaging no, 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 comment no. about the company, yeah. but it seems like that heavy lifting is going to have to come from the startup ecosystem. Do you see the startups as kind of in many regards being the driving force, being the molders of these new data formats and access protocols? Because the firms just obviously don't have it set up themselves. Yeah, I think that what you see in supply chain because it's been, you know, I think the the transition and even more so through a crisis like we're seeing is supply chain is becoming a competitive advantage for organizations, but it's also often outside of if you're not dealing with, you know, productions and plants and stuff like that, like a lot of the ancillary analytics and data teams uh, those resources are rather thin sometimes. So you have like a couple people doing a ton of heavy lifting. So for these organizations, that puts you know AI and machine learning in a really good spot to be able to give that resource lift in a lot of cases. Yeah. Do you think, Paul, that there's going to have to be both sides of the table are going to have to be engaged here? In other words, the startups like yourselves, you know, smaller folks yeah. like you guys, the Flexports, you guys are going to come up and pick your corners and start to evolve things. But that the supply chain needs to have budgets, needs to have IT and even yeah. data science folks allocated yeah. and, and designated there. I mean, they've got to wake up too, it seems. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, to play ball I with think, I think the, the barrier has been lowered quite a bit on the ability for a Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 enterprise to accept working with a startup more so than just like a little like test capacity or show that they're innovative. Like I think they are really like leaning on, these are some foundational problems that we haven't gotten the solution for from our legacy providers. There's so many niches involved in supply chain that open, you know, open those gaps up for startups to pick their spots, carve their niches, and then start expanding from there as, as trust is built. Yep. You know, that's our, our plan is you know, yep. to, to grow with our pl- partners as they trust us to deliver results more. That's where, you know, when prior to starting the company, just really fell in love with the opportunity and the landscape that's going to be lying ahead as, you know, so many awesome technologies between AI, additive, IoT, you know, blockchain, all those There's things that are there. so... Yeah. That that they don't just become more and more siloed solutions within these organizations and systems more so that like, you know, that they are so overwhelming sometimes on how to implement it and connect the dots that people don't do it. The opportunity is there. Yeah. It, it does, you know, that my, my instinct and it seems like you're with me to some degree is that logistics folks are going to have to sort of understand that this access and some inside talent, yeah. like you said, having yeah. a a fistful of people that occasionally stay up all night and do stuff on Excel is just really not going to skin the cat if we want to predict our inventory, right? But speaking about priorities, let's go ahead and move into the state of affairs. Uh, You and I are both uh, talking in our Sunday best remote from uh, (laughs) this nice little Google Hangout call here because we've got the pandemic going on. So this is, who knows how massively disruptive this is going to be? Who knows what this is going to do to global business? You know, we're seeing tremendous shifts in priorities across the sectors that we follow and the the leaders we have contact with. When you look at the supply chain world, the people that you talk to all the time, you know, for you, what do you think the new technology imperatives are going to be? Where where is going to be the impetus for people to double down and really find value in these new technologies to maybe either get over this horrible issue we're going through? Or come out the other side maybe stronger. You know what's going to become more top of mind in your opinion within supply chain broadly. Yeah, I think the interesting thing 
you know, within these times um, is, you know, what is happening? So you, you're planning, you, you mentioned, you know, planning in Excel spreadsheets and looking at historicals to try to predict, but don't have nearly enough data or the signals to do so. I think what's really going to be challenging those that have invested to that prior to this have a better baseline that can help them evolve and get through with the new information that is so uncertain that you can't you can't be demand planning off of things that historically have just never happened and are, we're going to see ripple effects for not the next couple of months but the next couple of years yeah, yeah. how it's affected specific industries so being prepared for that prior puts you, I think, at a, at a better advantage. And then really, you know, as we're going back out, it's, I mean, it's easy to say as we're focused, but like the time is also now to like try to get your four walls right so that you can come out of this as uh, you start pulling up the nose and coming out of it that you're better prepared, not for the next crisis, because it's not like, it to be like fear mongering, but like, yeah. uh, it's more like, you, you'll be in a position to do what you should have been doing anyway and start actually being proactive proactive ahead. And I think some of these, you know, frontier technologies are going to be able, you know, it's, it's going to open up, I think, a, not, a lot of other opportunities for those that can weather the storm. Safe to say, yeah. When it comes to what people wish they could have done more of. You know, I'm a bit of an outsider in this space. Again, we, we do an opportunity mm-hmm. landscape here, so I'm familiar at more than a tertiary level, but I don't live it. You know, you cut your teeth at yeah. Sherwin-Williams. You know, I never work for a supply chain that big in my life. So, you know, <laughs> but, but when I look from the outside, I say, okay, where's the real wild stuff that people wish they could have known or did or had the ability to do? And it, it feels like predicting shipments, predicting inventory levels, predicting sort of based on early signals, way up from our suppliers or the middlemen or or the transportation folks or whatever, whatever proxy signals there were to be able to get a pretty robust sense of what are we actually going to have in the warehouse and what are we actually going to be able to deliver, what kind of commitments are realistic. To have that yeah. as far in the future sense, that feels to me like the core thing people will wish they could have done better. But But yeah. what's your take? I mean, what are the other maybe facets and aspects here that people are sitting and thinking, how come we can't X? You know, what, what else yeah. is there? I think two things that come to kind of top of mind um, that we've been hearing and then also seeing is how can we, you know, harmonize or centralize our data? That's either through systems or getting over the hump of what is traditionally a pretty disparate system architecture landscape that makes it difficult to do the thing, you know, again, do some of those things that you were alluding to. And I think also, um, when you start seeing a supply chains affected, it's the uncertainty in the data exchange between multiple parties in the supply chain. So I think what people wish they would have been able to do is be connected and have insight to their key suppliers so that they could be more nimble in adjusting from key suppliers in China to some other suppliers in other places and be less decentralized. And, you know, when you, when you see what's happening, there's like a lot of decisions that are made all over the enterprise and that don't pull together up in one, you know, kind of one system so that you can actually act as an enterprise and work as an enterprise. And I think we'll see a lot more of that coming out of this. Um, technology will be obviously at the forefront and, and I believe deep learning. And so I think those are a couple of things that 
I was talking to somebody the other day and I'm like, Ooh, it'd be terrible to be the person that had kicked out the investment in some of these things on the supply chain end or like the investment in e-commerce you yeah, know, right? yeah. for a little while. And now you're stuck saying, oh, wow, we should have made that investment in Q3 or Q4 of last year or something. Yeah. And so I think maybe one more thing that'll make this a little bit, you know, as we wrap up here, thinking about painting the picture in people's minds, you know, I think about the listeners yeah. who are tuned in as to what AI can unlock, you know, on some level, again, I, I joked about Flexport, not because I'm knocking them. It'd be great to have no, them on someday, but, but, uh, but the, the fact that just doing the heavy lifting for a client to get their data in order and just being able to put it in a set of tables to, to just yeah. have, have like a pivot table, like classic Excel sheet style, that's right. going to get a lot done. I mean, just knowing in, in not even real time, in somewhat reasonable cadence, a certain data point of production from who, who we're getting our core materials from and a certain data point about the state of our you know transportation yeah. folks and just having those in the same table – that's not AI, but by golly, that would help us quote unquote be predictive. You know, it'll let us look a little bit better into the future. And there's a ton of value in that alone. When you think about the next level from there, it feels like a lot of the heavy lifting is in step one, as you've also articulated. Think about the next level of where AI adds nuance and layers value that will make companies more resilient. How do you articulate that? Where are those corners where AI can take people to the next level? Yeah, I think it's where you can take all of that work, like you mentioned, right, that's typically very painful and is a lot of just kind of wrangling the data from all buried all over these different systems. And often a lot of it, you know, up to 80% of this data lives outside of the system, right? So that's why it's so difficult. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What's an example there just for people at home? Like for us, like um, we take best in class things, like to your point that have been their models that if you have the right information can start predicting like what you may need from an inventory perspective. The problem is, is that only a portion of the data that goes into the decision lives in the system because people are pulling it out, reworking it in Excel and shoving yeah, it back yeah. in. So to give that mechanism, like what we've spent a lot in like, you know, kind of user experience and, and UI is, hey, how can you present that so that you can get more data into the system, making it easy for users to train information, right? And then I think, you know, making it easier to give that baseline data and not have to pull that information and do it manually, like in Excel, gets more data flowing through our system and allows AI to get more access to data than it would otherwise, right? So kind of get the data flowing, so to speak. Is AI part of unlocking that initial flow of data, Paul? In other words, in, in, if so, in what way? You're talking about, yeah, having more streamlined, harmonized, just access to begin with so that yeah. things aren't in 50 yeah. outside external Excel sheets. Where does AI play a role in, in that process, if at all? Yeah, so I think that there's there's opportunities as you have more of, you know, customer one, two, three, four, five, the ability to automate some of that using AI, some of those consistent processes that are really baseline system challenges that everyone has. I think that secondarily, using incomplete information and using natural language processing to structure data and being able to take two demonstrably different data sets and see where there's potential synergy there um, is important to not have to go into these like, you know, the supply chain is dominated by these like legacy data cleansing projects that are still super manual. There's no learning going on. Like, so if you can start augmenting some of those processes and that baseline data work 
utilizing AI and start uh, learning from that, it's a great foundation to build off of. Got it. That's so, right. Yeah, being yeah. able to use AI and and I imagine there'd be a good amount of training here, you know, in terms yeah. of labeling and feeding the right stuff so that when it comes in right. ugly, we, you know, know how to adjust it. But what you're saying is there's an opportunity to take sort of the, the core data we're going to be training systems and predicting on in the yeah. future itself and using AI to make sure that comes in streamlined. So even if you just wanted to look at it as a silly pie chart, at least you know it's the right stuff and maybe you even need yeah. AI to get there. And at least you're tracking decisions, right? Like you're presenting, you're tracking decisions, you're learning from them and you're setting up the environment because you know you can't expect in, I think, widespread fashion to adopt an AI solution when the data is always not in a place to support that. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like one area of AI is simply just in, you know, can we train a system to garner a cleaner flow of data off the bat? Is that is that yeah. a possibility so that everybody can yeah. make smarter decisions and uh, move forward? Yeah. The, the harmonization of data or however you want to put it across systems is every enterprise is a Frankenstein when it comes to systems. That's true. And and being able to kind of look across those and harness the data that lives disparately, I think is a really big opportunity. And last little question here around what else AI can quote unquote do. Again, we talked about how if all I know is this is what our suppliers numbers are, this is where these, you know, our transportation right. folks sit, here's what we actually have in the warehouse, not from six weeks ago, but from, you know, last week, just that. I mean, smarter decisions off the bat. When it comes to AI helping with predicting, you know, actual inventory levels, for example, one could see an Excel sheet doing some kind of a job of looking historically and saying, well, under these conditions, you know, we're probably going to have it within two and a half weeks, yep. you know, under these yep. conditions, maybe two and a half weeks. Where can AI add a little bit of additional nuance to prediction? Because I think everybody is excited to, to kind of have a better sense of when are things going to happen? When am I going to have things? How much am I going to have? Where can AI layer value even beyond, you know, what Excel could do, assuming we have harmonized data? Yeah, yeah. So uh, good question. I think where we typically see it starting is that aspect of, you know, because that data is incomplete, back to like the 80-20 rule, 80% of that data typically living outside of the systems in the heads of planners that are yeah. trying to predict inventory, harnessing their expert knowledge back into the system so that, you know, you can take each of those decisions, apply it back to the material, back to the data, right? And and that there's those connections and activities are being made and, and the millions of decisions that are going on daily and as businesses are changing daily, the appropriate signals can be applied to those, right? So you can create an accurate baseline and then start adding different signals to the models that can appropriately become way more predictive um, than your traditional Excel-based or algorithmic-based solutions, right? Yeah, so more more nuanced in terms of, okay, well, here's the mm -hmm. projected weather conditions. or And now that's going to be hard to put a number on, but I presume there's a way to do so. And yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah. you know, shipping volumes out of a particular port we use or whatever data, whatever features are relevant, you're saying that it's, right. it might be possible to continually layer that and then have a much more granular view of when things will happen, how much they'll happen than it could if we just had, you know, our six columns and they auto-calculate and that's it. Yeah. And decisions being presented to the planners, not having to do the, all the data work to make a decision, but to be presented and, and actually be able to take action on it. I think that there's a good spot there. That's the place now. And then as you obviously begin to, you know, I think 
the ability of scale is really where we see a massive place for AI, where I do something really well in this division, if I'm a company, how can I apply that to you know, my other geographies across the world, where it should be about the same thing, but I just don't have those specific people in the place and to train people up in that capacity. I think it's a perfect place for AI to support those activities and getting everyone working together more appropriately. Well, hopefully uh, your intuition is right here and the, the pressure to have more harmonized data access to what the heck is on hand, less things floating in the heads of managers, as you had mentioned it, will be one of the many results of this absolutely wildly disruptive pandemic that we're going through here. And I think it's useful for people yeah. tuned in to at least have some vision of what they're up against and where the pressures are from an inside view of supply chain. So I know that's all we have for time. Paul, thank you so much yeah. for being able to join us. I uh, appreciate it, Dan. Thanks again. Look forward to next time. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. As mentioned, we're giving away our AI for Business Continuity Action Plan report when you sign up for your first month at Emerge Plus. That's at emerj.com slash AP1. That ends on the 13th of this month. So four days after this episode goes live, that initial offer will end. That report will be available for maybe three dollars to $400 on emerge.com slash reports in our normal reports inventory. But right now we are giving it away for free. Uh, this is about as good as it gets when it comes to an immediate response to the COVID crisis and the proper ways to leverage artificial intelligence based on our past interviewees and our assessment of the AI landscape in these very disrupted times. It's emerge.com slash AP1. I hope you'll grab a copy and join us on Emerge Plus. Without further ado, we're going to wrap up this episode. I'll see you next Tuesday here on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>